I pray that you would fill me with your spirit this morning as I bring your word. Lord, I ask, Lord, in the name of Jesus, that I would speak as though speaking the very words of God. Lord, we thank you that you are so good. I thank you, Lord, that you know everything and that you're such a loving and faithful God. We lift our hearts to you this morning and we offer ourselves to you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to welcome the American Fork Church. They are they're in American Fork, and uh, we're streaming down there, so that's pretty exciting. So there's, a, there's an amazing group of people down there. So welcome, American Fork. Yes, let's, that's a good idea. So this morning, interestingly, you know, we've been talking about the values of successful people, not defined in the way that the world defines success, but in the way that the Bible defines it. And the adventure values, and, and our motto is life, world, dream. And today I'm going to be talking about the dream section, not as in like when you go to sleep and you have dreams. That's another topic for another time. But this morning, I want to talk about living the dream, because <laughs> that's what I'm doing right now. <laughs> okay, I'm kidding. That was sarcasm. Um, Actually, I am. It just doesn't feel like it. So what I want to talk about today is how do we know what God's will is for our lives? How do we discover who we were created to be? How can we find fulfillment? And how do we truly live the dream? How do we do these things? And I want, I want to make sure that you understand Whenever any of us come up here and talk, it's not just to fill your heads with knowledge. Because you know the Bible says that knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. So there's, there's a distinction. It does say that we're supposed to grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We are supposed to grow in our knowledge of him. However, wisdom means appropriately appropriately applying knowledge, practical application of what we learn, not simply that we just learn all this stuff and get all puffed up, but that we actually live it. And I just encourage you, anytime you come into the word of God, anytime you open up the Bible to read it, don't do it just to fill your head with facts or knowledge. Do it to allow the Holy Spirit to speak to your heart Allow God to talk to you because he loves you so much. That's the point. So everything that we say, we want to honor God. We want to lift up the name of Jesus in this place. That's our sole intention is to love God and to love people. So this morning, as I talk about living the dream, I'm going to quote a lot of Bible verses. So... um, yeah, I always say I'm not smart enough to have my own opinions. I get mine from the Bible. So, <laughs> so if you wouldn't mind, uh, the, I'm going to talk this morning about knowing who we are, knowing who we're not, circumstances and how we deal with those circumstances, how we can change and grow in the midst of them, and how to know God and to do good. I don't mean do good like, wow, you do, you're doing so good. Because that's improper grammar. How many of you know that? Grammar Nazis admit it. <laughs> it's, t- 
to do well. Okay. Anyway, um, would you mind reading this together with me? The, um, our preparation, everything that happens in our lives, if we are in Christ, everything does happen for a purpose, even the preparation that we go through. So if you would read out loud with me, Ephesians chapter two, go. Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, you used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. But God is so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much that even though Did I go too far? Sorry. That even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. So God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness toward us, as shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. God saved you by his grace when you believed, and you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it, for we are God's masterpiece. He created us anew in Christ Jesus, so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. You know, the word masterpiece, we don't really use that term that much anymore, But a masterpiece is like a work of art that is worth millions and millions of dollars or like a a symphony or like a a novel or a a writing that is just classic that's going to last for centuries. I'm not a really visual person, but I do remember the very first time that art, a piece of art moved me to tears. We went to an art gallery up in Park City and, you know, they take you back They're trying to sell it to you, which, of course, if it doesn't have the price on it, I told Eric, one time we were in an art gallery and we were walking around and he's like, they don't have price tags on any of these. And I was like, honey, that's because we can't afford it. (laughs) If it doesn't have a price on it, you can't afford it. (laughs) So anyway, so this was one of those galleries where you go in and they have like the special lighting and you can just sit there and view this piece of art, and I literally sat and just wept because this this masterpiece was so beautiful. And so it was just amazingly done. And the word masterpiece in the original language is poema. It's like a poem. Like we're a poem that God wrote. Each one of us is individual. Each one of us is unique. Every one of us is special to him. Every single one of us was knit together in our mother's womb. It says that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Every single one of us. You know what religion wants to do 
is it wants to make us all look the same. You ever notice that? Religion wants people like, like the Middle Eastern women with the burqa. They all look the same, right? I mean, maybe different colors, okay? But religion wants to make everybody the same. But our creative God wants everybody to look exactly like they are supposed to look. That's the purpose in life. That is the purpose. That's his original plan for us. So that we can do the good things that he planned for us long ago. Number two, our purpose. Uh, 1 Peter 2.9 says, receive this now. This is for you. You are a chosen race a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. We are that masterpiece. We are that picture that moves someone to tears. That is why God created us uniquely so that we can display his excellency, so that we can stand out in a dark, dark world and we can shine for him and we can be on display for him. That's our purpose. Our prayer, this is, this is our prayer for you and I, I want to just tell you guys, we have an amazing, amazing group of leaders in this church. You know, Eric always used to say, we are not a pastor-centered church. This church is not about one person except for the Lord Jesus Christ. This church is about him, and we are his body. And we have an amazing group of leaders who are committed to praying for you and committed to loving you. And if you are struggling right now with with the death of Eric, or you're going through anything, I just want to encourage you guys, come to us, talk to us, maybe not to me, (laughs) right now, (laughs) sorry, (laughs) but don't feel like you have to work through things alone, we are committed to praying for you, and one of our prayers is found, 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 11 and 12, to this end, we always pray for you that our God may make you worthy of his calling and may fulfill every resolve for good and every work of faith by his power so that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and you in him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. You notice it says God may make you worthy. The difference between Christianity and every other religion every other world religion, is that Christianity boasts of what God did for us and is continuing to do for us and what he will do for us in the future. Every other religion boasts about how you have to make it right and you're going to be good and you're going to do it and it's your works that are going to save you. I love this promise and this prayer that says that God will make you worthy. Yes, what a relief for losers like me. (laughs) It's such a relief because I don't have to try to do it. I don't have to work so hard at it. I don't know about you, but that is such good news to me. It says that he would make us worthy 
of his calling. So he calls us and then he makes us worthy. Sounds like a plan to me. Okay, so it's important for us to know who we are. It's important for us to know what our calling is and what our purpose is and kind of the things that that we do and that we're good at. But it's also important for us to know who we are not created to be. Number one, our calling, Romans 11, 29 says, for the gifts and the callings of God are irrevocable. We have each been created for a unique purpose. And you can kind of tell the purpose for which you were created when you're energized by it and you're inspired by it and you're encouraged by it. For example, I worked at a desk job when I first... Okay, so my story is I graduated from college and I went on a choir tour and I almost died. And, um, and after that, I backpacked around Europe for nine months looking for the meaning of life. And then Jesus revealed himself to me and I went, that's the meaning of life. But during, during that whole period of trying to discover who I was and kind of trying to figure stuff out, I got a desk job. Even though I have a degree in philosophy and music, I got a desk job. Because I'd kind of grown up seeing my mom. She had a, a desk job for a while, and you know she owned her own business. And so I kind of thought that was what I was going to end up doing. Well, my mom's an introvert, so it was cool for her because she could kind of come out when she felt like it and be with people when she wanted to. I'm an extrovert. So to put me in a cubicle for eight hours, it, it sucks my will to live. It was like it it was like a like a prison sentence for eight hours every day. I hated it so much. And the thing that I discovered about myself is that whatever I do, it has to involve people. I can't do a job that doesn't involve people. Some people are great with that and they they, they succeed in that and they thrive in that, but not me. And it was so good for me to discover that because number two, our characteristics are who we are as unique individuals, not trying to imitate someone else. It says in 1 Samuel 17, 38, this is a story of David and Goliath. If you don't know this story, it's about this little shepherd boy who defeated this massive giant who was breathing out all these violent threats and everything. And this little shepherd boy was the one that they selected to go up against this Philistine because he said, I can do it with the strength of the Lord. I can do this. So 1 Samuel 17, 38 says, then Saul dressed David in his own tunic. He put a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet on his head. David fastened his sword over the tunic and he tried walking around because he wasn't used to them. I cannot go in these, he said to Saul, because I'm not used to them. So he took them off. Then he took his staff in his hand. He chose five smooth stones from the stream. He put them in the pouch of his shepherd's bag and with his sling in his hand, he approached the Philistine. You see, the thing is, Saul was trying to turn David into a little mini me. That doesn't work. Whenever we do what we're not equipped to do, we are going to be drained and we are going to be frustrated. We can't wear Saul's armor. I just encourage you, that if you're in a job that you absolutely hate every single day, I just encourage you to start to seek the Lord and say, Lord, I have a feeling that this is not what you had for me. And I'm saying it is important to provide for the needs of your family. Absolutely. But I, I used to live with a couple in California. Um, I, I moved in for two weeks. I ended up living there for three and a half years. So 
be warned if you ever invite me over. Um, um, but she always used to talk about the golden handcuffs because she had a job that she absolutely despised, but she was really good at it. And they paid her copious amounts of money, but she hated it, hated it, hated it, hated it. And I don't know many people that wake up in the morning and go either, yeah, I feel like living a life of no purpose. Like how many people do that? Yeah, I feel like just going through life, just going through the motions and not doing anything of value. I mean, I don't think ultimately, unless maybe you've fallen into a deep depression or something, I don't think that's typically the way that most people are wired to wake up and just go, ah, I don't really care about doing anything of value. I think most of us want to live a life of purpose because we were created to do that. But sometimes I think we get confused in the midst of trying to live a life of purpose. We see someone else living a life of purpose and we think, oh, if I want to live a life of purpose, I need to do that or I need to be like them. But if you are not created to be like them, guess what? You won't find fulfillment. You will be frustrated. You will be drained. The same thing goes for serving the Lord and serving his people. If you're doing something that you absolutely are called to do, you are going to be energized and inspired. And sometimes you might even be surprised. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't just serve sometimes when there's a need, because sometimes God calls us to die to ourselves, right? We're called to lose our lives, give up our own agenda. But for the most part, God will energize you when you're doing what you're created to do. Does that make sense? Seems logical, right? We can't try to be someone else, though. You see someone with a successful ministry and you think, oh, that's what I'm going to do. No. Wear your own armor or take your own little five smooth stones in your own spear to defeat those giants in your life, those lies that come in and say, you weren't created for purpose. You don't have value. You're not special. You're not unique. You don't have any reason to think that you can be anything. Well, if the Bible says that you can, then you can. You're a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging unto God. Don't get no better than that. (laughs) Yeah, you can applaud the Lord. It's good. (laughs) Romans 12.4 says, For as in one body we all have many members, the members do not all have the same function. Right? Imagine a human body with like, like a centipede body. We don't need a hundred feet, right? I mean, you might get places faster, but you couldn't do anything else. (laughs) Walk around, just get there, but you couldn't do anything else. The human body is created fearfully and wonderfully with all the different parts and the different functions. And that's what Jesus compares us to, his body we're like, we're like the human body in that we all have a different purpose and a different function. You can't expect to be an eye if you were created to be a hand. And you can't expect to be a foot if you were created to be a mouth. And don't despise who you were created to be. Every time Eric would perform a wedding, he would always talk about love does not envy. He would talk about not trying to compete with your spouse 
but appreciate your differences. Celebrate your differences. Enjoy the differences instead of always trying to change them or expect them. Well, I'll love you as soon as you're like this, right? How many of us do that? We're called to love unconditionally despite the weaknesses and the failures or what we would perceive to be weaknesses and failures. Maybe they're just differences and God's just calling us to have grace. Are there, is there any of this going on right now? Because <laughs> I can see you. Not really. <clears throat> Here is our confidence. Second Peter 1 verse 10 says, So dear brothers and sisters, work hard to prove that you really are among those God has called and chosen. Do these things and you will never fall away. It is not saying work hard to earn your salvation. Get that. It is saying work hard to prove that you are among those God has called and chosen. Because if God, in his sovereignty and in his wisdom, created you for purpose, and like we said in Ephesians back there, he created you in adv- to do good works. He created you to do Good works. The good works are not going, to, not going to save you. They're not going to lead you to salvation, but they will lead you to fulfillment. They will lead you to satisfaction. They will lead you to that freedom. When you are cre- doing what you were created to do, when you are living the calling and the purpose for which God actually created you specifically, you will be fulfilled. You will be satisfied. You will live in peace. You will have hope. You need to know that your future is secure. God is sovereign. God is sovereign. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. And I know you guys, most of you can quote this along with me but this is the word of God which is living and active. So let this be something new to you. Let this speak to you today. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your path. You know, this was Eric's life verse. This was one of the very first verses that he ever memorized because he was such a cerebral guy. He was always thinking always thinking. He ne- his mind never shut off. And so when you're like that, it's so hard not to lean on your own understanding. So when he would start to get, you know, kind of worked up about something, and I would, I would always quote this to him, trust in the Lord with all your heart. With how much of your heart? And lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your path. That's our only hope, people. Leaning on our own understanding will lead you somewhere you don't want to go. And incidentally, let me just address the spirit of fear right now. Fear is not a good counselor. If you make life decisions based on fear, you're going to end up somewhere you don't want to go. I promise you, I've seen it happen time and time and time again. Fear-based decisions lead you somewhere you're going to experience destruction. So, that one was for free. 
In Pete Wilson's book, it's, called, it's the longest title ever, Plan B, What to Do When God Doesn't Show Up the Way You Thought He Would. He writes, Your dreams may not be happening, and things aren't turning out the way you expected, but that doesn't mean your life is spinning out of control. It just means you are not in control. You can't control it if your house burns down. Well, I mean, there are things you can do to prevent that. <laughs> Let me retract. But you can't control it if the market crashes or if you lose your job for some unknown reason. I mean, you can control certain things about that, but you can't control it if your spouse dies or if they cheat on you or if your kids walk away from the Lord. There are a lot of things that we cannot control, but that does not diminish the sovereignty of God. God is still sovereign, and he is still in control. I mentioned earlier that um, after I had graduated from college, I went on a choir tour to Norway, and it was a five-week tour, and with two days to go, I ended up in the ER, well, actually in intensive care, with meningitis. I was comatose for 36 hours. And it was at that point that um, I recognized that something had to change in my life. Because at the time, I was not living for God. And uh, I, was, I was using a lot of drugs. I was dealing drugs. I was sleeping around. I was partying. I was dishonest. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> There's a long list but I, lay, I was laying in the bed, and I was saying, I know that I don't deserve heaven. I know that if there is a heaven, if there is an afterlife, I do not deserve it. And it scared me. Now, that was a good fear-based decision. <laughs> because that was the fear of the Lord, which is the beginning of what? Wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. If we fear anything else, it's the beginning of something not good. But the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. At that point, I, I prayed and I cried out to God. Because I had my life all figured out. I was going to go on to grad school. I was talking about getting scholarships and studying with this amazing vocal coach. I was going to move to Washington, D.C. I had all these plans. But in one fell swoop, everything changed. Everything changed for me. We can't control the things that happen around us. But God is sovereign. And if, if there's ever a time when you doubt that God is sovereign, and you get angry, or you feel like what, what, your, circumstance, what your circumstances are bringing into your life are wrong. I just encourage you not to be angry with God. Do not blame him because the thing about God is that he is always good. Everything he does is good. Everything. And I'm going to talk about that a little later, but I just want to say again that if you hold God at arm's length, if you're angry at God, he is the only one who can come in and comfort you. He's the only one who can come in and change your heart. You know, I've had a lot of people ask me since Eric died if I'm angry at the Lord. 
And I know I've talked with you about this before. But I would not want to keep him at bay because he is my only hope. He is the only one who can come in and heal my broken heart. He's the only one who can comfort me. So why would I want to hold him away? And why would you? Number two, negative circumstances can form us. Hebrews 12, 11 says, No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. I'm in a season of discipline right now. Not like punishment discipline. I mean like discipline like, you know, doing scales on the piano or doing wind sprints or doing athletic feats in order to prepare. It's not pleasant. I don't love this season of my life. It's painful. But minute by minute, I make the choice to trust God in the midst of this. And I make the choice to allow the discipline to form me. Because otherwise, I would fall into the pit of despair and I don't know if I'd ever come out. But I know that God is good. I know that God is good and I know that this discipline that I'm experiencing is going to produce a harvest of righteousness and peace because I want to be trained by it. I have a friend who's a doctor and he, he offered... No, I won't even go into that. Well, okay, I will go into it. <laughs> Sorry, my thinking thing is not working still, so have grace for me. But he offered me um, antidepressants. And I'm not making a statement on that, but for me, I knew that I didn't want to prolong my grief. And I didn't want to repress it in any way, but that I wanted to be trained by it. And I wanted to invite the Lord in to discipline me in this season of my life. And and when I say it's a minute by minute choice, it really I really mean that. Not like every single minute I have to reevaluate my whole faith. I'm saying that I don't know when the waves of grief are going to hit. And I know a lot of you are experiencing the same thing. You don't know what's going to set you off. You don't know what pain is going to come up in your heart or what's going to remind you of Eric or of our circumstances, our situation. We can't predict it, but we can make the choice to trust in the sovereignty of God and to trust in the goodness and the kindness of the Lord and to allow him to train us. Does this make sense? For those of you who work out, you really understand this, right? You, especially if you're training for a particular sport, you know you have, to, you have to get in there and you have to do all of the preliminary work in order to excel. And that's what I'm trying to do through this trial so I can run the race. I can finish the race. I don't want to just limp across the finish line, you guys. I want to go like Eric goat. Go- Eric went. <laughs> Told you the thinker doesn't work. 
you, you better believe that, I mean, I have a picture, it's so cute, it's a, of Eric with the two nurses, and they're all like this. You better believe he was preaching the gospel before he went into surgery. You better believe he was telling them about Jesus. And he always said that he was going to do that. He goes, I am never going to retire. He goes, I am going to leave this world. My last breath, I'm going to be breathing out about Jesus Christ and what he did for me. He was trained by the discipline that he went through. And losing him is painful for all of us. But don't you want to be trained by this discipline? Don't you want to honor him in the process? I do. You know, the good thing about, about the Lord, one of the many good things, is that he can even use our failures to bring honor and glory to himself. 1 Corinthians 1, 27, 26 and 27, For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to world, worldly standards. Not many of you were powerful. Not many of you were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. And that is the thing I think we always get confused as believers in Jesus Christ. We think that we have to be perfect in order to be a good witness or a good example. No. God gave us the provisions of humility, confession, repentance. Right? You know, I'll never forget one time when we first moved here. We had a, an event at our house, a pastor's dessert, and we parked all across the whole neighborhood. We didn't expect so many people to show up, but they parked in front of my neighbor's house and we didn't realize that that was a problem. And um, we found out that it was. And um, it, was, it was kind of surprising to us. But rather than like getting defensive and saying how we had the right and, and you know, just standing up for ourselves, we just asked for forgiveness I went and bought flowers the next day and brought them over and apologized. I said, I am so, so sorry. We didn't realize that this was a problem. We, you know, we're going to try to be more considerate in the future. And I just think that so much of the time we feel like we have to cover up our weaknesses and cover up our mistakes. But that's what the world does. Are we not supposed to be different than the world? When you're at work and you blow it, just admit it. Humble yourself. The Bible says that with humility comes honor. You know, there was one time, and I know Eric shared this story with you guys, but there was one time when he was at work and he kind of didn't reveal the whole truth about a certain situation. There was something that had gone wrong and he was responsible for it and he didn't quite admit it, <laughs> a.k.a. lying. But um, <clears throat> the next day, he was, well, that whole night, he was so convicted by the Holy Spirit and the next day he went in and he confessed it. He humbled himself and he confessed it and he asked for forgiveness. And he was afraid that they were going to fire him. But rather than doing that, like a, like a week later, they gave him a promotion. Like, how does that work? So I just encourage you, don't believe that lie that says that if in order to witness to your neighbors, you have to be perfect and you have to be always 
Christian and always, you know, whatever. It's, you can be human in front of people. You know, it's this passage. It says, God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. It's not like our goal is to go around and shame people. I'm just talking about be yourself. And when you blow it, be, be honest. Humble yourself. Confess your sins one to another. Right? Okay, enough about that. So my last point is know God and do good. It's not bad grammar. <laughs> As I've said over and over and over, God is good. I was talking to a young lady a couple weeks ago, and she was saying that she had received a lot of really kind of negative teaching about the end times and that she didn't even want to talk about it because it was so scary. And I just said, you know, anytime you think about something like that, anytime you think about your future, anytime you think about anything that might cause you anxiety or stress or strife, always remember this. God is good. And when you are found in him and you are protected and covered by him because your, your life is about him, when you are in Christ, you can laugh at the days to come like it talks about the Proverbs 31 woman. Psalm 112 says that the man who fears the Lord has no fear of bad news. His heart is steadfast, trusting in the Lord. He will not fear if you always remember that God is good. Now, if you would have told me uh, a year ago that Eric was going to die, that would have been, I wouldn't have believed it. It would have been the worst. It would have been the most horrible thing I could imagine. And it's, as I mentioned before, it's not fun. Mourning is not, is not fun. But I know that God is good. I know that he is good. And he says in John 15, 16, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. When you are in Christ, when he chose you and you respond to that and live your life fully for his glory, you will bear fruit, eternal fruit. That's why I'm not just going to quit. I want to bear fruit for his name. I want to bring honor and glory to his name. I want to bear fruit that lasts. I want to bear fruit that is eternal. God is faithful it says in Philippians 1.6, he who began a good work in me will carry it on to completion. Okay, once again, this is a win-win. He calls us and he completes it. He calls us, he equips us. You know, there are times where you think about what God may perhaps be calling you to and it can be a little intimidating because your brain starts going, how am I gonna do this? How am I gonna make this happen? You know God's spoken something really amazing to you, but you're trying to figure it out, leaning on your own understanding. Instead of recognizing he called you, therefore he will carry it on to completion. 
And his word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. It doesn't say that God's got the high beams on. He's going to show you the 20-year plan. Sadly, no. For those of you who are planners, I apologize. That's not how it works. His word is a lamp to our feet. That, to me, speaks of just one step at a time. And let me just say, that's just one obedience at a time. One little thing he's calling you to at a time. You don't have to be overwhelmed when you recognize the purpose and the calling that God has placed on your life. You don't have to freak out over it. You can trust in the Lord and know that his word is going to lead you and guide you into all truth. His word is going to give you wisdom. Jesus says, I will send you the Holy Spirit and he will teach you all things. He's the comforter. He will not leave us as orphans. He's going to send his spirit. When we open ourselves up to his spirit, his promise is true. All of the promises of the Lord are yes and amen. God is faithful. Andy Stanley says in the principle of the plan that direction, not intention, determines our destination. And I'm just going to give you a little warning here that if you're on the wrong path, it doesn't matter how hard you work. It doesn't matter how determined, how motivated you are, you will not find satisfaction. No matter how far down that road you go, no matter how far you get into this situation or whatever, it doesn't matter. The direction, not the intention, is what is going to determine where you end up. And so if you have anything else other than glorifying God as your sole purpose and your motivation, you will not find fulfillment. And I'm not cursing you. I'm just stating a fact. It's like gravity. The Bible says God's judgments are in all the earth. Okay, if you drop, if I drop something here, it will fall. Anybody disagree with me? Okay. If you do anything other than what God has created you to do, you will not find fulfillment. Boom. Just like gravity. It's a fact. Oh, I want to talk about Jojo the clown right now, but I'm going to move on. someday. (laughs) God is always right. God is always right. I ended with this last week. I'm going to end with it again this week. 1 Corinthians 15, 58. So my dear brothers and sisters, be strong and immovable. Always work enthusiastically for the Lord, for you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. Nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. And I'll just be honest. I, not like I've been lying the whole time here and now I'm going to suddenly be honest. <laughs> I'll just be vulnerable. You know, I've had a lot of sleepless nights and um, a lot on my mind. And uh, the Lord is so good. He keeps taking me back to Joshua 1. Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. The Lord keeps reminding me 
to be strong. And this isn't in my own strength. I can't muster it up. Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. That's his promise. And the Bible says that God will give strength unto his people. The Lord will bless his people with peace. There's only one path. There's only one way to fulfillment. There's only one way to true success. There's only one way to live the dream, the real dream. And that is through fully surrendering to the Lord. Our good works do not save us. They will not save us, but they will fulfill us. And they will lead us to that place where we can be fully satisfied. That's the goal. That's always the goal. God wants to fulfill you. He wants to give you peace. He wants to satisfy you. He wants to satisfy every need. That's his goal. Because he loves us so much. And it says that he gives us good gifts. It says he's given us everything we need for life and godliness. It said he's given us all good things to richly enjoy. He is not a God who withholds from his kids. He's generous. He's gracious. He's good. He's kind. He's forgiving. Would you stand with me now? Can we just offer ourselves to the Lord this morning? as a symbol of just all the good things he has for us? Can we just surrender to him? Would you hold your hands out as a sign representing what's going on in your heart? Lord, we lift our hands to you. Lord, we honor you. You are good. Lord, you are sovereign. You are faithful. You are always right. You are generous and gracious. Lord, we thank you that you are the creator. You created us for purpose. You gave us good works in advance. Lord, you already created us and prepared us to do those good works. Help us to find what it is you're calling us to, Lord. Be the lamp to our feet. Be the light to our path. Lord, let your word come to life to us. Lord, not so we can be puffed up and arrogant and prideful because we know more. Lord, help us not to be like Pharisees, but help us to be like little children who are so teachable. Let us be pliable, Lord, in your hands. We surrender to you, Lord. We offer ourselves to you as living sacrifices, God. We offer ourselves to you to be used for your purposes, to live the dream, Lord, to be fully satisfied in you. And we stand in your presence, God, and we thank you for who you are. To you be the glory and the honor forever and ever and ever. Amen. Let's just applaud the Lord. Bless your name, Lord. We bless you and we praise you, God, because you are so good. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Now, before, before I dismiss you, I just would like to ask you to indulge me. And if you wouldn't mind just praying with two or three people with this purpose in mind, pray for one another and ask that the Lord would seal whatever it is that you heard from him personally today. 
I trust that you heard something, not because of what I said, but because we read a lot of scripture today. And so I know that God's word is so faithful and he will speak and minister to you. So could you just pray with two or three people? Don't try, don't try to pray with like 12 or 13 people, okay? You might as well start, start your own church. Okay, never mind. <laughs> but can you just pray with a couple people for God to really seal what he's done? Can you do that? Okay, God bless you guys. See you next week.